Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm your host, Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. We have been all over the place the last, uh, last week or so. Um, it's been a busy two weeks. It has been. It was National Paddling Week, June 10th to 19th. And uh, to say we took advantage would be an understatement. <laughs> now, Derek, you were away at the Madawaska Canoe Center. Did you miss me? Um, yeah, <laughs> but we well, had an adequate had a, fill in. You had an excellent guest host. We did. We did. David, uh, David Lee, Lee, the passionate paddler. He, uh, more than aptly filled your position. Should I be worried about losing my job? I don't know, man. But that promotion that was on the horizon <laughs> might not be there anymore. <laughs> there's, there's room for promotion around here? <laughs> Yeah, it goes with your paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> double it. Yeah. yeah. Double my pay. Zero times two is still zero, buddy. <laughs> so you were at the Madawaska Canoe Center uh, learning the art of whitewater canoeing. Ta- tandem whitewater canoeing. Right. It was fantastic. And when you were done that, you met us up in Algonquin. I did. Because... I was ground support. You were ground support for... The Brent Run. Um, I still can't believe that three guys followed me on that thing. Um, <laughs> but we did it. It was a good time. And uh, uh, you know what? It may get attempted again, but in cooler weather. But yes. uh, we'll talk about that a little later. But uh, I want to hear about your weekend. Uh, what was it? Four days? It was a three-day weekend at MKC, Madawaska Canoe Center. Yeah, so tell us, you were just uh, asked by one of uh, the Algonquin group there. I was asked by uh, Mike Mike B, uh, yep. who went on the Brent Run with you. Yeah. Uh, one of the guys, the organizer, Martin Garster, he uh, he got a group of people together and they were looking for a sixth person. They were trying to fill out the group, you know, group discount or something, right? But, yeah. uh, uh Mike ran it by me and it's like, ah, that sounds like a good idea. And uh, it was uh, it was very exciting. I, I'd been to MKC before, as I've discussed on a previous episode. I did some. Uh, I took a whitewater kayaking course there back. I think it was two thousand and three or two thousand and four. So, uh, but it didn't really stick. I, uh, I I I found a little nerve wracking just on my own in the kayak, and it, uh, it didn't really didn't really stick. But uh, then when this opportunity came up, and I had been looking for the opportunity in the last few years to do a tandem whitewater canoe trip or canoe course was I'd been doing more more and more tripping on uh, some northern rivers and and instead of lining all these whitewaters I was looking forward to learning how to do it properly and save time and be more fun right right so I uh, I did the course with Mike and the guys there was uh, there were six of us Martin Andre Ray Mike Scott and me and uh, we had a we had a fantastic instructor, this uh, Ken McDermott. He works with Blackfeather, but in the shoulder seasons, like in the spring when uh, he's between his winter season and his summer season for guiding, he uh, he comes and works at MKC and teaches uh, tandem whitewater canoe. So fantastic instructor, uh, really good sense of humor, good guy, and learned a lot from him. So, uh, And maybe on the, in a future episode we'll be able to... Uh, interview him he uh, I suggested it to him he's, he's more than happy to do an interview so we'll get to talk to him sometime in the future I think we should set that up yeah absolutely but overall though it was it was a good course and it, of course it was scary at times and uh, it's funny how before this course you'd look at some or we would look at the white water and say holy cow look at that but after the course I still look at it and say holy cow but now I can see that I can most likely run it or I know enough to know that, no, I can't run that. <laughs> right. So I know enough to be a little bit smarter about it and safer about it. And, and it's interesting to see what is easily doable, what before I thought was no way. So it's, it's really interesting. It's, uh, it's something nice to have under my belt for uh, skill-wise for doing some of these river runs that I keep doing every year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, testing out my new skills. Well, Mike has already tested out his new skills, much to my... Chagrin. Chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> we'll touch base on that a little later during the during our Brent Run talk. Uh, but yeah, Mike, 
Mike's used his skills. So have I. <laughs> <laughs> so you went up there with absolutely no experience, no like canoe. No practical instructional. I, I've done a little bit of whitewater canoe, but I, in my ignorance, I just went and did it with uh, somebody who was more experienced. And I just, I was the bow guy and he just told me what to do. So it's nice now to know what I'm getting into as opposed to just uh, blindly going on faith. Yeah. So you get up there, you know nothing. Basically, I'm sure that's exactly how they, yep. they treat you. Like you're, yep. you don't know anything. They're taking you from scratch. Um, how do they introduce you to the canoe and, and, and going down the rapids and what to look for? And well, they started, uh, started out pretty slow. And mostly I think it was to test for the instructor's uh, sense purposes to test us to see what our skills were. So on the, on the first day, there was, uh, there was another instructor, Colin, I'm sorry that I don't know Colin's last name, but there's Colin and Ken McDermott. And, uh, they, they ran us through a couple basics just for paddle strokes. We, we just started on flat water and then little tiny bits of white water. But by the afternoon of the first day, we ran a couple serious rapids. So it built up pretty quick, but he, uh, he was telling us that it's quite obvious that all of us have quite a few years of paddling experience, just not necessarily white water experience. Right. So we learned how to do uh, prize and draws from the bow and stern and, and combination strokes with a, with a stroke and a prior stroke and a, and a, and a pry or prior draw. So it was, uh, to learn the basic strokes and, and stuff that you kind of, haphazardly did but it's they're very specific they like the way you do the stroke the length of the stroke is very short like it was only about eight or ten inch long strokes and it's a, you you have to have the paddle out of the water by the time it hits about your knees so it was it's definitely a learning curve like on the first day it was uh he thought we were doing fantastic when we came back after lunch everybody switched bow to stern to try a different position and uh he very Quickly, we went to from what we thought was more advanced courses to okay, back to the start again. He, he was, I think, he was a little ticked off at us because we were screwing up so badly. He uh, is, what are you guys doing? He was like, he was uh, a little upset with us. <laughs> it was, it was kind of funny, but uh, it was kind of embarrassing on our part. But it was we, you know, in the morning, and we had learned all these skills, and I, me for the bow, and then I went to the stern after lunch, and and everything was just all mixed up, right? Well, I do that on a regular day. If you're if you're in the stern all the time, and then you know you switch up for a while just to give the other guy a yeah, bit yeah, of a yeah. I mean, you find yourself in the front trying to steer. Yes. You know, and exactly. you're thinking, oh, this is where we're headed. Okay, yeah. well, oh, we got to steer over this. And next thing you know, yeah, you're doing it. But I mean, they, that's on flat water even. Yeah. So I think that's just a a canoeist trait. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess if it's if it means going through a rapid or dumping mm -hmm. that you better be doing. <laughs> now, when you say the quick strokes, when you watch the guys going in the canoes and they're paddling, looks like they're paddling really fast, yeah, but they're, they're not. No. They're, it's, it's just really quick, short strokes. Really quick, short strokes yeah. with the blade fully buried in the water. Yeah. And it's amazing when, it's amazing how easy everything gets when you follow the instructor's directions. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. I know. Instructor know what he's talking about. But I was making mistakes. Like I would, uh, I would lean forward trying to get low for center of gravity. And I, and I, I was in the canoe, uh, those times with Scott. And so I tipped this over a couple of times just because I was in the bow and I was trying to lean into it and get low in the canoe. And, and I was actually affecting the center of balance and the balance of the canoe. And when we dumped a couple of times. And then when he reviewed again with me about my positioning, you're basically supposed to sit there like there's a, like there's a rod going through the top of your skull, down through your butt, down through the seat, and you never move your head position. It's just your shoulders twisting and your arms working. And, uh, it, it, the canoe became so amazingly stable after that when I didn't move my torso or didn't bend over at the waist. Right. It made a huge difference. Just well, for stability wise. It's a total different way of paddling. Oh, right? it is. It's completely different. It, it was, it was a, a big eye opener for me. The, uh, the, like, you know, I've I felt pretty confident paddling. I'd have been paddling for decades, but, uh, not whitewater. And it's a different skill set. just to like on any given day you play on a, on a flat water lake and it's, uh, you can easily tip a canoe and, but it's also very easy to keep upright. But mm -hmm. when you're going through whitewater, 
when there's less buoyancy because of the the air entrained in the water and and plus you're going over drops and going over waterfalls or you know small into small holes and stuff like that it's it changes the dynamics of the canoe so much that it's uh it, you really need to learn how to work your balance again right now mike was uh i was talking to mike and he had said that one of the first things they did was taught you to dump on purpose Yes, and that was mostly for confidence-wise. That was that was so you knew that you could get your knees out of the knee straps that attach you to the canoe. Because what one thing you're you're you are you're on your knees, sitting half sitting on the seat, but your knees are fulling on the bottom of the boat in these uh, canvas straps that hold your legs in, and that's so you can force the canoe to tilt or tip. Because when you go cross current, you want to tip downstream so that the water doesn't catch your upstream edge of the canoe, right? Right. So you do a lot of leg and knee action to tip and force the canoe to tip over a little bit, just so it's like a couple degrees off level. And and, uh, so when you're in those straps, everybody was a little bit nervous. Am I, if I dump in whitewater, am I going to be able to get out of this? But never once did I have a problem. I think Mikey had his foot catch a, a leg one time and a foot another time catch up with a strap but he managed to get out no problem but it was a big confidence builder just knowing that when the canoe does go upside down in whitewater you're going to be able to just almost fall out of it and it's a similar thing with uh with kayaking when i did it way back in the day it was uh i was very nervous about it. am i going to be able to get out of this kayak because you're jammed inside this tiny little whitewater playboat and your knees are way up in the nose and you're 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 sitting like a big L, and it's to when you get out of it in white water, it's like I remember thinking half the time, like easily eighty percent of the time coming out of the kayak, thinking I'm out, but I don't remember getting out. <laughs> right. But uh, it it it's it's a little bit slow time and a little a lot less panic in the canoe, but it's amazing how easily you do come out of the straps when you uh, when you go over. Yeah, that's one of the things when I was talking to Mike about it. Uh he was talking about the, the straps holding you in. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, why, why would you want to be strapped in? <laughs> I know. I know. It seems counterintuitive. It's like <laughs> yeah. You go through all the way straight up or you tip over and yeah. you drown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's your incentive right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The straps do make a huge difference just for controllability of the boat and for helping balance the boat and forcing balance. And, yeah, and forcing a tilt when you're in current, it it makes a huge difference. Yeah, well, it sounds like uh, you were having fun the first uh, couple days. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so eventually, you guys did you you always had the same partner in the in the canoe, or you? We switched, switched up around? a lot, and uh, and Ken was uh, our instructor. Ken he. Uh, he switches up quite often and forcing people to be in different positions with different paddling partners. And it's, I think it's just because, uh, well, for one, me and Mike, when we, for the most part, we paddled together and we were really, whenever me, me and Mike never went over, we never tipped. I always tipped with other people in the boat and, uh, it's, it's such a different, uh, thing. Like you get used to a certain person or like me and Mike, our paddling styles seem to work really well together. Right. And, uh, but when I, I remember I paddled with, uh, I paddled and dumped with Scott, I paddled and dumped with Andre and, uh, but I never dumped with Mike. It was just, we stayed up the whole time. Well, that tells me something. That tells me Mike's pretty good and you suck. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. <laughs> you just glued into that one, didn't you? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no, I think our styles, actually, honestly, I think our yeah. styles really work together. Well, and switching everybody up, I mean, yeah, it definitely gives you, it doesn't get you comfortable with one person and, and thinking, oh, well, it's all going to be fantastic. Exactly. And then later on down the road, you start to decide yeah. you're going to do this with someone else. And then you're like, Wait a what's, minute. What's wrong with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was a very exciting three day weekend. It was uh we had designed a custom course because normally it's two day weekends, but we uh we felt that or Martin felt that uh we needed three days to get the adequate skills. And we didn't want to do a five day course and it was just too long and too expensive and the two day course was just not long enough. So we did a custom three day course. So it was nice to uh have that extra day to build in and it was it actually came in 
pretty key because on the third day we're still learning stuff really like even towards the end of the of the third day it was we're still learning stuff so and we're we're, we still are only i'd say you know for myself i'm only about 30 or 40 percent there but most of it's going to come with experience yeah to me two days wouldn't seem long enough you'd need at least three days yes i mean the the first day you're you're getting wet you're getting used to the canoe you're getting exactly uh, the second day you're, you're lear- starting to learn. Yeah. This is what you got to do. It's starting to sink in. And the third day is sort of the putting it all together. Exactly. And, right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would imagine once you've got the basics down, then it's go out, get the experience, start running some, uh, rivers with yep. other people and, uh, see what you can bring back. Now, do they have other courses after this one? for for more advanced or oh yeah like it you you design your own course they 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 will teach you according to what your skill level is uh, like all of us were at the, about the same skill level so this three-day custom course worked perfectly it, like when we were there there was a an older couple they were going to go on a black feather uh, guided uh, trip and so they were there to get their own basic skill set. So they had uh, another instructor just for them. Right. And then there was a, another younger couple that were there and they were doing kayaking. So they had their own instructor for their kayak course. So they have various instructors available to cater to whatever skill set you have. And I get the strong impression and initially about what I thought they were doing. And then it was confirmed through conversation with Ken. We sat with him through supper throughout the weekend and just had long conversations with him. Like, I guess the, uh, the five day course is, is where a lot of beginners go there to learn the skills. And this is not always this is general terms. So the five day course is where you learn your basic skills and the two day weekends are somebody who it's spring. I'm going to beef up my skills for the coming summer. Or I haven't done it in two seasons. Or maybe I'm going to go off and do a, a somewhere's up in the Yukon and I, I need to refresh my skills before the big trip. So then those people would show up for a two-day weekend just to reinforce skill sets and paddle stroke and whatever. So that's that's the impression I was getting about how everything is run and designed. But they uh, there's the courses aren't really set for like a beginner course every course is according to the individual skill sets of whoever shows up okay yeah because i mean the way i would look at it you'd want to do if you've never done it before you'd be looking at a three to five day course to start get your skills and learn what it's all about yeah you know and then at the end of those three to five days you should know yeah this is something that's really going to turn my crank and i'm going to really enjoy doing it continue doing and then you spend the rest of the summer doing it. Exactly. It's doing various trips to build the skills and reinforce. Mm-hmm. And with anything, you have to keep paddling uh, to maintain and, and improve your skills. So Yeah. And then the following season, you could maybe come back, take a little bit more advanced. Precisely. Then, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like, uh, yeah, it sounds like you guys started at a pretty good, uh, pretty good level. Mm-hmm. Um, now, your custom... Um, program you put together included your time on the water. Yes. The rentals of the, the canoes. Yep. Um, accommodations. Uh, yes, you could, uh, they have bunk houses, they have private rooms, they have chalets that you can rent. Uh, so, and you can camp and tent on campsites. So they have everything there. There's, uh, they have all, everything is log cabin style. And so the main, there's a dorm style area and then there's bunk houses where four people can be in the in a room and then there's chalets way up into the woods where you have a private cabin and uh, so it's it caters to everybody when the uh, the group that I went with the, the guys we all we all uh, camped we all tented and uh, so they have uh, I'd say about 20 different campsites right on site that's cool and as well throughout the backwoods they they have a large piece of property and there's a lot of uh, a lot of biking trails. We actually brought our bicycle mountain bikes with us and uh, we did a, a runoff through into the trails and checking out beaver dams and stuff like that. So that was interesting too. It's a nice, it's a really beautiful location. Really, really nice. And a couple of you have opted for the meal plan. Yes. So three of the guys, they just uh, cooked at their own campsites. You can't have campfires, but you could cook at your own campsites. 
and uh, three of us, Mike, Scott, and myself, we uh, we did the meal plan. It was it was a bit more expensive from the basic course, but it was well worth it. And I would suggest if anybody's going to go, and if they're really on the wall or can't decide whether to do the meal plan or not, what I found was a huge benefit is, uh, for one, I didn't have to do dishes. <laughs> that was a big bonus for me. You didn't have to do dishes, yeah. you didn't have to cook. And they do amazing meals. All the, all the foods and the soups and everything is, they have chickens on site. So if you're having an uh, egg breakfast, it's chickens that are eggs that they uh, had or that were there. And uh, soups are handmade. The uh, meals are all geared towards uh, high energy meals and it's it's fantastic menus you go on their websites on the mkc website and they talk about their meal plan and what they have but the biggest benefit of that i found is that when we sat in the in the main lodge cafeteria eating area we sat with our instructor and and we chatted over the meals and discussed you know what we did what he did and courses and different this that the other thing so you got to really know the instructor better right and it was it added a totally different facet so what we found and when we talked to the uh with uh martin andre and ray is that they kind of were off by themselves chatting but we got to chat we chatted with the owners for a bit we chatted with our instructor we chatted with some of the other instructors and so it was really nice to be able to sit down have dinner and discuss the days going on with the instructor so that 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 made paid off in spades for uh for <clears throat> actually paying for the meal plan yeah, a little bit of feedback and these guys have been doing this for ages so you can pick their brains on things as well exactly exactly yeah so it was interesting because we had big long conversations with ken and like we learned all about black feather and and his guiding trips and and he's got me completely sold. I want to go on uh, either one of these northern flow trips or or winter ski trips. Or uh, he's Blackfeather is such a diverse uh, uh, company that takes people everywhere. You can go down to the Baja Peninsula and do sea kayaking with them. It's uh, it's but it's very impressive, and it's uh, I definitely want to do some sort of northern trip with Ken again. It would be very very fun. Get that whitewater skills going, and exactly whitewater skills. But just to see more of northern Canada, I've never yeah. been farther north than like Sudbury. You know, it's. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I want to go further north to Canada. I would. I'd love to get out, you know, in into the northern flows and and see that kind of thing. Seek polar bears and mm -hmm. whatever. So it sounds like you guys had a good time. Oh, it was really all really good. said and done. Absolutely, absolutely. Was there anything especially that stood out about the week? Uh, it's just, it was a really nice setting. It was uh, really nice people. Like the owners are fantastic. We saw three generations there one night for supper of the owners. And uh, it's, it's such a big paddling family. It's uh and, and there's no doubt you could call it that it's a family. Like everybody either, if you don't know them, you get to know them really quick. And uh, it seems to draw in a certain mentality. It's not the the you know it's not your typical road ragers running down the 401 in Ontario mm -hmm. these are all very laid back calm relaxed easy conversation people it's uh it's it's the kind of people that I fit in with it's a really good group of people fantastic organization fantastic company well i think you need to get yourself a canoe and Go start doing some paddling. Well, I'm gonna rent for now. It's uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have room for another canoe in my uh, <laughs> in my flotilla. <laughs> well, you can start getting out there and learn oh, some absolutely. skills, and I will. I mean, there's enough of the guys around our area that you can get out for a day or a weekend yes. or something. And, and where this course worked out good is because I'm I, I did a uh, Petawawa River run in Algonquin Park last fall, and I'm gonna do the same run this fall. But now, with what I know, I'm going to be able to have fun on this trip. I'm going to be able to enjoy more doing some more of the whitewater and playing in the water and stuff. So right. I'm looking forward to the September in Algonquin again. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm glad it all turned out for you. Like I say, that was uh, National Paddling Week, and you fully took advantage. Yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> Three days at least. And then, uh, like I say, you, you joined us up in Algonquin for the Brent Run uh, as our base camp coordinator. Yeah. And, uh, well, let's take a quick little break here. And um, when we come back, I think we'll discuss how I spent a few days in National Paddling, National Paddling Week. <laughs> Perfect. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. 
Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio, whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. We spent the first uh, bit of the show here talking to Derek about uh, Madawaska Canoe uh, Centre that he spent uh, doing the good times and learning tandem whitewater canoe. Now let's talk about your Brent run. So National Paddling Week, I decided I was going to do the Brent run. We actually talked, Mike Mike B, Mike Burns and I, uh, we talked last year. Um, around Father's Day, because every Father's Day I do a, a canoe trip somewhere uh, for the last 19, 19 years. And we were talking about different trips and what would be different to do than the same old, same old. And we got talking about the meanest link, which Mark Rubino of Mark in the Park and Scott uh, Rogers and the Scarlet Brothers, they, they all did the meanest link. And we said, that'd be kind of cool to do something like that, but I don't have that much time. I mean, you're talking a couple of weeks. We got like four days or something like that. And uh, thinking about it, well, there's this thing in Algonquin Park called the Brent Run. And what the Brent Run is, it's a bit of a rumor on how it started and, you know, a little bit of hokiness and not sure all the details, but... uh, Back in 1934, a couple of guys... 34? That's a long time ago. Yep, 1934. uh, A couple of guys went from Canoe Lake, Camp Omic on Canoe Lake, up to the Brent store on Cedar Lake at the north end of Algonquin Park, and back. And apparently they did it in 34... Or, sorry, 32 hours, paddling nonstop. Does have you ever heard, heard why they did this? No clue. Uh, there isn't really any rumor or any, any reasons, or oh, yeah. they just did it. Because you know the marathon was started by the dude who had to you know warn the Greeks and yeah, yeah, running to warn the Greeks that the uh, Persians or whatever were coming. Yeah, um, that record of 32 hours stood until 1948, which is quite the while. Yeah. Well, but it's, I don't know how much of a hardened thing that this, this isn't something that a lot of people challenge themselves to do, because it's a little bit of a crazy thing to do. It is. Got to be mentally unstable, which (laughs) we're there. So in 1948, a couple other guys did it, and um, they did it in 27 hours. So they knocked five hours off the original record. The 27 hours set in 1948 stood until 1990, when it is was broken uh, by a couple of camp counselors from Camp Omic. They did it in 23 hours. Huh. Mm-hmm. In what year? 1990. So that's, and that's the current record. The current record is 23 hours. So we decided, you know what? As much as you say, yeah, we're going to break the record and we're going to do this because, you know, it gets attempted every couple of years. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a big, well-publicized race that you get 50 canoes all at the starting line. <laughs> no. A guy with a gun shoots it and everybody goes. Yeah. You know, every couple of years, some goofballs say, you know what? I think we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> some idiot comes up with some silly idea. So, you know, and, and like I say, we, we sat there and we said, oh, we could do 23 hours, no problem. Realistically, we thought we could keep it under 30 hours and it, it would be a hoot to try it. So Mike and I decided 
Well, you know what? Father's Day weekend of 2016, let's attempt the Brent Run. 162 kilometers from Joe Lake, or sorry, uh, Canoe Lake, up to Cedar and back with 22 of that 162 being portaging. Um, that's quite the distance. That's, it, uh, it, it is when you're thinking nonstop, because this, this is not a camping run. This is minimalist. It's the clothes in your back, basically in some emergency supplies and yep. food and that's it. And you go and you don't stop. Right. And that's what we did. Um, that was the plan. So somewhere along the way, Marcus Rubino and Scott Rogers decided, well, if you guys are dumb enough to try it, <laughs> then we're definitely dumb enough to try it. And all of a sudden, we were four guys and two canoes. And when you look at all of the, the previous ones that have done this, it's and, and some of the other ones that we've seen attempt it, it's all young guys trying this. Mm-hmm. In their 20s. Maybe so we all range between the ages of 47 and 50. (laughs) (laughs) So twice the age, double the speed, right? (laughs) Exactly. Skills, isn't that? (laughs) That's right. We got the slow and steady wins the race. You'd think that experience we had (laughs) would have told us just to sit at camp and drink (laughs) or something. But um, so all of a sudden we're we're two canoes, four guys, and we're going to try this this weekend. And, uh, so we had the maps and we got the routes and everything all laid out. I even went so far as to gauge you had, if you were going to go nonstop and eat on the fly. So, I mean, it's all granola bars and stuff like that without stopping for any period of time, you know, um, quickly pump some water, drink water, eat a granola bar and keep on going. You need to paddle at... Seven kilometers an hour to tie that record. Hmm. Non-stop all the way. And you have to, when you get to Cedar Lake, you have to run up to the Brent store when you get to the north side of the lake, Mm -hmm. get your picture taken in front of the Brent store, then run back down to the docks and head on home. So... (laughs) Now, back in the day, it used to be they would call Canoe Lake from Brent. Oh, yeah? Say, they just were here. They're heading back now. Okay. Right? Apparently, that's that's how yeah, it went. Yeah, because nobody has cell phones back. He didn't have the cell phones. He didn't have the cameras. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't as easy as it is now. So, we figured this would be the perfect weekend to do it because spring, higher water. Yep, yeah, spring, high water. Longest day of the year. Yes. Full moon. All coincided. Right? Everything all lined up beautifully. Because you end up doing this at night as well. Yes. How many sunrises did you see? Two. (laughs) (laughs) But only one sunset. Yes. We thought you were going to see a second sunset. (laughs) We. (laughs) So, So when we got all... Well, you guys did your, your, your whitewater course. Yeah. And then you guys all headed up to Algonquin to do a bit of camping. Yeah. Um, I still had a couple of days to work. So I came up later. Marcus came up later. We met you guys up on Joe Lake. Yeah, we went ahead and picked a good site on Joe Lake to set up a base camp and, and find something decent, uh, knowing that, uh, come a long weekend, that place is pretty busy. So we had to get something in there. And and it gave us a chance between uh, the course and the Brent Run for us to kind of recharge our batteries and kind of get get two of the guys, because two of the guys that were on the Brent Run were with me at the base camp and just gives them a chance to, you know, get their adrenaline going and uh, do a little bit of cardio and battling. And we did a couple day loops and stuff. Yeah. So... When we were looking at planning all of this, Mm -hmm. the general start point is Camp Amic on Canoe Lake. Yes. Well, there's no campsites on Canoe Lake. And Camp Amic doesn't condone this run any longer. 
Yeah, they're worried. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's all the the someone's insurance gonna sue and, and someone's yeah. Gonna, yeah. So, so they're like, very okay. anal about it. So when we were making our plans, we planned. You know what? We'll start on Joe, zip down, tap the dock. Yeah. At Camp Omic, back up to <clears> Joe, <throat> continue on to Cedar, and all the way back to Joe. Yeah. So you're doing the exact same distance. You're just starting a different spot. Yeah. And and that's what we did. Um. But yeah, the day we late we were leaving, we had it all set up, and I guess I guess we never really discussed when we were going to leave. <laughs> and I was like, "Well, what time is your alarm set for?" And I'm saying, "Well, I'm set my alarm for two. And I'm like, "What do you mean two? Yeah, that shocked a few people. The, it did. But when I explained why, because if you are up at two, you get everything. Everything's all ready. Yeah. You get up, have some breakfast, get all ready to go, and you're on the water by three. Three o'clock, we already know how to get to Canoe Lake. We know the small portage, mm-hmm. get there and back. And I guesstimated that it would be an hour to the dock and back just past our site. Yes. Which we can do in the dark. Easily, yes. And right? it's good good introduction to nighttime paddling. Right. If, if you haven't done it before, good introduction to nighttime uh, portage running with a headlamp if you yep. haven't done it before. And that's exactly And then by the time you start getting up into... Uh, the upper, like little Joe and baby Joe, um, the sun's coming up. Yes. So you're starting to do all the other rest of the, like the smaller creeks and that you're doing them in the, in the daylight. You're not wasting any daylight. Right. It's key. Yeah. And that, so it was agreed. We all got up and we were on the water by three fifteen, and off we went. No problems. We <laughs> actually jogged the, uh, the portages, um, got in and out and really fast and we we made perfect time. We were right on schedule as we passed the site. We were right on schedule for, for quite the distance. Um, and the bugs were not, I mean, the bugs are always bad. Yeah. I mean, there's no getting away from it. But on portages, I guess they'd be the worst there. Anything, anytime on the water is going to be yeah. good. The beginning of the portages, it wasn't that bad, but as you go through the portages, you collect up some followers. You collect the bugs, yeah. and by the end, they're just nasty. Yeah, and they're everywhere. So you're you're in a panic to get out onto the water and and go. But you know what? You got the bug juice going a bit, and uh, it it wasn't that bad. So we had in our canoes, we had, um, we had just our basic a day pack each, paddle each, a spare paddle strapped in. We had our spot unit. Um, but yeah, we, we had rain jacket just in case <laughs> we definitely didn't need that. Yeah. Uh, granola bars, a water filter, our jug. I brought, uh, pre-measured little tiny baggies of, um, Gatorade. So when we pumped a liter of water, I just, just threw one in. of that, those yeah. packages in and it made one liter of Gatorade. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're not measuring out and so you had all these time, time saving Methods, right? So you end up having all these little baggies of white crystals in your backpack. Well, they were in a they were in a hard container inside okay. the backpack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All these little baggies of white crystals, <laughs> white powder. Um, yeah, man, you just you just go. <laughs> um, so that was it. You know, we planned, planned, planned. Everything, stars aligned. Everything was fantastic. Everything went off without a hitch, and we were gone like a shot. First, um, like I said, I had a sheet that said we should be here at the first hour. Yeah, you mapped the whole thing. Right? And we were right on schedule. And when daylight really started hitting, the heat, the the sun, not a cloud in the sky. It's hard to account for that in June. Yeah. June's so unpredictable for weather. Well, they said it was supposed to be 27 and it was like 34. Yes. Celsius. Yeah. And okay, we can, we can put up with that and you just keep on going. You just go, 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 go. When we hit Big Trout Lake halfway up, the headwind started. Oh, and that's where you started losing time. You go from seven kilometers an hour to four kilometers an hour. <laughs> and when you look at the spot route, like all the, the, um, time on the spot, uh, unit, um, you see exactly all of a sudden that is the spot mm-hmm. where we started losing time. Now, we're the first ones, as far as I know, doing the Brent run to actually track. Oh, yeah? My spot unit has the tracking function. Yes. So you can follow along. And I did track you. I, yep. uh, you were up, <coughs> pardon me, when you were about three quarters of the way up, burnt 
uh, Root Lake, I I made note that oh they're only an hour <coughs> only an hour behind. So you guys are doing really good time by the, at that time, and you had lost some of the time on on Big Trout. But by the time you got to Burnt Root, you're about an hour behind. Yeah, we we're just over an hour behind on Burnt Root. Yeah, and uh, and then yeah, and then it just started getting from there. And you know what? When you start combining that heat, the heat and the and headwind. that wind, and your every every paddle strokes a battle. And you had headwind there and back, didn't and you? back. The wind shifted. Yeah. So and that's gonna that's gonna it saps your energy. It, it saps really the does. Time. And yeah, and all of a sudden you're you're thinking you're going, you're going, you're going, and you're not. Mm -hmm. You're losing you're losing your steam, and and then um, you you get up to to where. You're thinking, I was just going to cruise through. And at one, at the top of Burnt Route, we just said, you know what? We've got to stop for a half hour. Mm -hmm. Just to shake everything out, grab some extra water, yeah. have a good, make sure we're, because you're fighting so much you, with the paddling. You don't have time to say, hey, you know what? You keep paddling. I'm going to grab a granola bar out of my pack. Everybody's constantly yeah. paddling. Everybody's constantly paddling in the wind, especially, I mean, big trout. And that's some big water. Yeah. You don't get turned around sideways in big yeah. water like that. Yeah, because once you start pa stop paddling, you're losing ground, right? Yeah. So we did that. So you lost another half hour there. We hit, um, yeah, all, all all between top of Burnt Root and Cedar. It was just a slog through. We were tired, but we we were maintaining a an okay pace. Yeah. You know, and I think when we stopped it became less about beating the record and more about an adventure. Yes. Well, it's more about completion. It's like yeah. a personal challenge. It becomes, well, it, I'm not going to make any records here, but this is a big challenge to have you know, almost like, I, I don't believe in bucket lists, but this is something that some, somebody could say, well, now I've got this off my bucket list type thing. Yeah. And so we, we made this log up and through Unicorn Hill, which was, was brutal. Mike, if you ever need, if anybody out there ever wants to have somebody along <laughs> that can portage a canoe, like a, like a breakneck speed, yeah. Mike Burns, <laughs> you just tell me where you, where you want him. <laughs> oh man, he just picked that canoe up and he was gone. And yeah, over that, over there and over Unicorn Hill. And I mean, that's just over, uh, it's about two and a half kilometers mm -hmm. portage. Yeah, that'd be brutal. It was, and it, it's quite the difference in, in height. Um, but we got over that, did the little trip down the Petawawa into Cedar across to Brent, relaxed there for a bit. We did the picture. We talked to Jake Pigeon, who runs Brent's store. Yes. Had a chat with him, and uh, even he, we asked him, you know, if, if it took us um, 16 and a half hours to get there, how long would it take us to get back? And he just says, ah, about 20 hours. <laughs> because it's quite the the elevation difference between Canoe Lake and Cedar. Yes. And it is massive difference. So it's all uphill going home. Mm -hmm. Right? So we sat there and we chatted with him for a little bit. Again, we wasted another half hour there. But uh, Now, have you talked to him previously about the Burnt Run? Him? No. So no. he must have a lot of experience. He must see a lot of people doing the Brent Run. So he's he must seen, have a lot of knowledge. He's seen people of it. come across and doing yeah. the Brent Run and stuff like that a lot. Because he runs the Brent store, doesn't he? He's always yeah. there. Yep. Hmm. Yep. So he, yeah, he's seen them before. Uh, but we got a, we got some information from uh, Algonquin Outfitters as well, and they're they're the ones that set up set us up with the canoes, uh, which ones would be the best for the yep. run and and that sort of stuff, right? Um. Now coming back, he says, you know what. At this point, like I say, we're there just for the adventure at this point. Yeah. We're not breaking any records. We're having a good time mo for the most part. You know, um, there's times where, you know, somebody's getting silent because, you know, they're they're just struggling. And you make a couple of jokes or do something and something comes up and everybody's back in a good mood again. There was no, nobody got ticked off at anybody or, or anything like that. It was, it was a pretty decent trip. There's a few moments when you guys first pulled out and... And Mark was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And so I thought, oh, it's starting already. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just, everybody's excited. Everybody's on to, going, yeah. to go, right? Now we hit Unicorn Hill again, coming back. And along the portages, you know, it's, it's nighttime at the, the, by the time we hit the end of Unicorn Hill. And there's a bit of stumbling going on. And 
the portages, because you're not used to going and finding the portages mm -hmm. on the lake at night, you know, you okay, I know the portage is over there, but the signs aren't reflective. No. So you got to try to find it's the portages tough. in the dark. And it was tough. I was wondering about that when you guys were playing this. And, and that's one of the first things I was thinking of is like, how do you find a portage in the dark? And you, with all the contours of a lake, it must be so easy to get lost and lose your way on a lake. It would, uh, it would be Well, the lakes, the lakes weren't that bad. The big lakes. Yeah? Yeah. They, I suppose they weren't you had a full bad. moon or you like, you had yeah. a 95% moon, right? Yep. Yep. So that would have helped a lot. So, well, what the problem was, we were, we were getting tired. Yes. I mean, we had a lot taken out of us and we were doing some stumbling. So he said, you know what? We're not breaking a record. Shangri-La Island on Catfish Lake. Mm -hmm. We're going to crash. We'll get out, we'll get an hour sleep or something like that, just to relax before we get going again. Yes. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm throwing my jacket on the ground. My, my life jacket's my pillow out like a light for an hour. The other guys, they built a fire and I get up and they're all sleeping around the fire, like the <laughs> cowboy days, yeah, right? Yeah. All broke back yeah, mountain. All broke back Algonquin and whatnot. And I'm way over there and, uh. But we stayed there for four hours and we got up and, uh, just the crack of dawn again. Yeah. And you know what? It was perfect. And we, we got back on there and we just finished the run, got all, you know, coming back down and yeah, somewhere during the night, the wind decided it was going to turn around and come <laughs> right back at us. That sucks. Worse than the day before. Oh yeah. Uh, when we got down to big trout, we had, and, and burnt island and all that, you're playing hide and go seek with the behind the the <laughs> islands and the the points, strategically trying to get your way down, and um, yeah, it was it was a fight getting back, and the last lake when we we got onto the Joes, that wind was just howling across, and uh, we 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 were ahead of Marcus and Scott. Mike and I were were ahead of them, but we said you know what we're just gonna wait here till they got up and then we all made the last little yeah. like 200 meter dash across that last channel to the campsite. But for the most part, you guys always stayed together anyways for grouping, right? We did. It, yeah. It's a safety thing and it's a, it's yeah. a, you guys did it as a group challenge anyways, not much less to leave somebody behind. No, 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 that's what, that's exactly what we did. The group challenge and, uh, you know, we stayed together and, um, at the end of the day we got back and we didn't break any records, but we had fun. We saw a lot of landscape, a lot of wildlife, moose, beavers, eagles, ospreys, nice. turtles. Um, we, we saw, you know, different types of landscapes, the, everything from rocks, different types of trees and stuff like that. But we, there wasn't we, much sightseeing going on. No, well, not the beginning. <laughs> um, and we realized what we could do when we put our minds to it. Mm -hmm. And we'll have stories to tell. Well, be educational, a little bit of a personal uh, insight into what you're capable of. Yeah. So you never, we never really discussed it, but what was the time? The uh, time ended up being 40 hours. 40 hours. Yeah. But if you took away all the... So um, you wasted about five hours the or so? Yeah, the time we wasted and stuff like that. We actually spent 32 hours paddling nonstop. Paddling and portaging, yeah. Nonstop. Huh. What a great trip. <laughs> Next time we try challenge. it, you'll be with us. It'll be in the <laughs> fall when it's cooler. I like the base camp coordinator part. It was nice. I just sat around, drove into Huntsville, got myself a burger. <laughs> well, we came back and there was ice and there yes. was steaks. Yeah, I went in, to, I did a food run, a lot of big steaks, brought some ice back. <laughs> and all was good with the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I would definitely do this again. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was definitely an adventure to have. Um, I know Marcus at the end said, if I ever came up with an idea like this again, he'd drive out to Ajax and punch me in the face. <laughs> to which I replied, if I had an, an idea like this, and I knew what this was going to be like, Back when I suggested it and Mike agreed to come along, I should have driven out to Windsor and punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be a bit loony to do something like this, but at the end of the day, we all had a blast and we knew when we got to back to camp and finished it, we would be more than happy with what yes. we did. Record or no, we had a blast. You are listening to Paddling Adventures Radio on Reno Viola Outdoors. 
Do you enjoy getting on the water with a paddle in your hand? If so, this show's for you. Listen to Paddling Adventures Radio every Wednesday at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and see what's happening in the world of paddle sports. Paddling Adventures Radio. Whether you're close to home or far away, grab a paddle and get on the water. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Madawaska Canoe Centre and the Brent Run. Great success in both parts. I think it was a successful National Paddling Week for the two of us. And I'm still exhausted. <laughs> you know what? My arms aren't as sore as, as I thought they would be. My legs aren't as sore as I thought they'd be. My butt from sitting on that canoe seat is sore. But uh, yeah, all the bumps and bruises and that, Yeah, they they were worth it. And I think the, the two of us both had a good time at what we did. It was nice for me to get back to work to get some well-needed rest. Yeah, I, <laughs> I felt like taking a nap in my office too. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Let's see what happens this week. Uh, you've been listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you want to check us out on our website... Go to paddlingadventuresradio.com. Until then, I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.